The Utes added four players through the transfer portal. How will they aid the team in 2023? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on our platform, including YouTube. Appreciate all of you who have subscribed to the show already. We're nearly at 900 subscribers, so I want to thank you guys for your support. You can guys can interact with us in the YouTube comments on social media. I'm at JT Wistersill or at Locked On Utes. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. As I mentioned, we're talking all things transfer portal additions for the Utah football team. And in order to help me do that, it's friend of the show and Ute Zone contributor, Dante Guardi. And Dante, the Utes have had kind of an interesting relationship with the portal over the past few seasons. I think everyone's still turned off by how the whole Jake Bentley and Charlie Brewer thing worked out. But in terms of getting smaller smaller additions, obviously the quarterback grabs all the headlines. It really worked out well for the Utes last year. Gabe Reed did a lot of really good things. You look at what Diabate did as well, mostly when rushing, but also in, in some strong moments in run defense too and the inside for the Utes. So him as well. Well, um, I'm probably forgetting the transfer portal edition off the top of my my head right now. Uh, Logan Kendall in the running game was essential as well. Um, and you can bring up if I mention someone else, too. But I do think the portal is a nice asset for this Utah team now. And I think they're doing a good job utilizing it, picking up veterans to help when you lose some of these guys to the NFL draft to help fill in these kind of missing pieces. Yeah, I mean, the portal has been great for Utah, especially over the last four or five years, I'd say, you know, you think back to 2017, Utah added Darren Carrington to give Tyler Huntley a really good number one option, which really helped him develop. And then also with the roster that we had um, last year, a couple other guys, Cameron Rising and Dalton Kincaid were both transfers as well. Sure, they were more more developed at Utah than they mm-hmm. were at Texas and San Diego, respectively, but those guys were still added through the transfer portal. And while I would go out and say that they were pretty homegrown, you know, I would say that they were definitely more developed at Utah. You know, they didn't get playing time right away. They weren't instant impact players. So they did get like a full Utah experience rather than getting playing time here and there. But those guys were still um, added by the transfer portal. And then with the team this year, you know, they're doing the same thing as last year, basically just plugging in guys where they need help, where they need help with depth, where they need help with talent, pretty much everywhere. You know, you look at kicker. That was the biggest one, in my opinion, because, I mean, you think back to a lot of the losses that Utah had this past season and you think about it, it's like, well, Kyle Whittingham wouldn't have gone for it on that fourth down in Odson if he had a reliable field goal kicker. Now you do have a reliable field goal kicker, so it's going to be interesting to see how some of those dynamics change. And then also in the UCLA game, a lot of kickoff woes, just little things here and there that kind of add up. And Kyle Whittingham's doing a really good job to, pre- to prevent those from happening again. Really has done a good job, and I love how this team is utilizing the portal. I love that you mentioned Cam and Dalton, too. There's one player in particular that I think is going to be more like the Cam and Dalton route, stay and develop in this group, rather than the one-hit wonders like the guys we talked about in Gabe Reed and then Diabate. And let's talk about those senior one-hit wonders for this Utah team first, and let's look at the defensive side of the ball. First, we mentioned Diabate already. Utes needed another veteran linebacker, it felt like. So they went out and get Leovani Damuni coming over from Stanford. Damuni's a guy who's played on the inside Providence, Utah native, 31 tackles last season overall set solo tackles. I should say 76 overall at a sack, two forced fumbles to just a veteran guy is going to provide experience, pretty strong in coverage too. I feel like he's firmly the third linebacker, but I think a lot, especially in coverage, I think we saw how much Diabate struggled. That's where I think he's going to be a nice upgrade over Diabate. And in my terms of, Hey, you lose Diabate as a blitzer. Well, we know what a good blitzer Lander Barton already is. So I'm excited to see what, 
Giovanni Damuni is going to bring to this group. And I think he's really going to help us out in coverage, Dante. Yeah, I can't uh, can't agree with you more there. You know, you look at the stats, 19 times he was targeted over the past season, only, or I mean, allowed 15 receptions, which might not sound very good, but he only allowed 4.5 yards per reception. He allows very little separation, has a strong grasp of zone concepts. He also picked up a pass breakup and also had an interception and allowed a pass rating of just 59.6, which is damn near elite. And that's for a linebacker. You know, most guys that are putting up stat lines like this are um, our corners on an efficiency on an efficiency basis. Obviously, corners are going to have more interceptions and and targets and stuff like that. But it's very impressive to see what Damoni did last year playing for a really bad um, Stanford defense and still being able to put up really solid, really solid numbers, borderline elite numbers for a college linebacker. And you also have to think back to his time at Stanford. The run defending numbers might not be on par with the with the coverage numbers, but that might just simply be simply be because Stanford's defensive tackles were by no means anywhere even in the realm of Utah's and you look back at this Utah roster, the defensive tackles going into next year return all three, including Simote Peppa who leads all returning defensive tackles in stop rate in the power five, which is ridiculous for a player that only played like eight or nine games. You know, I'm not sure what the exact number was, but he didn't really come on until that second half of the season. And he had some fantastic moments against USC in the Pac-12 championship game, Um, Washington state. He was all over the place as well. So he had a really great first season. He's going to be an NFL player. Like he's going to be one of those players Mm -hmm. this season where we're just going to see him shoot up draft boards because the size is there. The skill is there. I mean, everything is there with Simote Peppa. So with defensive tackles like him, junior Tafuna opening holes for Damuni to make an impact in, in the run, in the run defending department, it's going to open up a lot more for his game. And I, I'm expecting him to have a really good season. Um, kind of like you said, that that more of an upgrade um, of Mohamed Diabate and more 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 in terms of a of a middle linebacker though. Whereas yeah. whereas we saw Diabate at his best off the edge, I think Damuni will see him at his best over the middle um, and just being a veteran. You know, because you still look at Karene Reed. Karene Reed's a junior now, so he definitely and he's been playing good snaps for the last two seasons. So he definitely has a good grasp of the defense, but. To kind of eliminate the, any holes that could possibly be there, I think um, that Damuni could be like a good plug and play, someone mm-hmm. like that. And also Lander Barton, you know, he's only a sophomore. We saw him do some extremely good things last year, Pac-12 Defense Player of the Year for a reason, or Freshman of the Year for a reason. Um, so I think this just just adds more depth, a great zone, or I mean, a great uh, coverage linebacker, just a great linebacker overall who brings in a ton of experience. So I think it's going to be really exciting to watch him play. I'm excited about players like Justin Medlock in the linebacker room, but to me, you need three guys you can really depend on and trust. And I feel like this Utah team has that. We know we got two in Reed and Barton and you pick up the third in Demuni and you mentioned his impact over the middle of the field. I felt like sometimes Utah's red zone defense, especially games like Oregon state where it was really strong because that's where Diabate was at his best because he could just attack the ball and be physical. And it's hard to fool him on some of those fakes because the field's just simply not as big versus I think Demuni can truly be effective all over the field and won't be picked on in those situations. So a nice plus for this team, the Utes biggest loss to, defensively though was not at inside linebacker it was of course out on the outside where Clark Phillips the third one of the best corners to ever come through Utah is officially NFL bound so the youths were able to pick up Smith Snowden from Sky Ridge CJ Blocker too so there's some exciting young players in there but it's always nice to add another veteran you get Miles Battle coming over from Ole Miss and you look at what he did on the season overall these guys played for them for the past two seasons really overall 37 tackles for him he forced one fumble and one interception defended four passes overall that led Ole Miss too so I just think it's nice to have another veteran guy who look he's been played in some loud environments right when you talk about SEC football we got a taste for that what that's like last year going down to the swamp those are hostile environments I don't have a doubt that he's going to be ready to go on the outside he sounds like a guy who's excited and ready to come out here to play I think be, when it's all said and done he'll end up being the third corner but I also think it'll be interesting to see how it rotates right with see what's Sione Vaki do he's Feels like he might stay at slot. Maybe he goes back to safety where it felt like he was originally going to play. JT Broughton's and Maya Vaughn feel pretty secure on the outside, but 
I just feel like this is a nice veteran pickup of if there is ever an injury there or if he just earns a starting spot, I'm going to feel good about him. Yeah, most definitely. I think with Sione Vaki, I think he will stay in the slot with the addition of um, Nate Ritchie, or well, not really addition, him coming back from from his mission. I think he's going to slot right into that safety position and kind of dominate. So it's going to be really encouraging um, to have Sione Vaki back in the slot because he was so, so good uh, there last season, picked up a couple of pass breakups on back-to-back plays in the Pac-12 championship game. Just some really bright spots for him, and he closes speed insanely quickly. So he's definitely um, a player that we're all going to be I'm extremely excited to see. But with Miles Battle, you look back to his 2021 season, he played over 350 snaps. He was targeted 28 times, only allowed 11 receptions. So that's a sub 40% um, completion percentage he was allowing. Also picked up seven pass breakups and a pick and didn't allow a single touchdown while only allowing eight and a half yards per reception. So really good numbers there. Wasn't like a full-time starter, but a good rotational piece. Um, and he's going to add a lot of size on the uh, on the outside. Similar to Zamaivon. Zamaivon, we all know, very long, lengthy, fast corner. Miles Battle might not have the athleticism that Zamaivon does, but he is an extremely technical player, very good player. He had a little bit of a rougher season this time around. But if you go back to his 2021 numbers, that just shows you how good of a player he can be. And playing for Morgan Scaly, you know, he emphasizes that relentless, smart, nasty ball hawk mentality. That's what all of his players preach. That's what he preaches. So I think it's be really interesting to see how uh, Miles Battle kind of steps in and takes on that role, being a, being a veteran, you know, being a grad transfer, having experience, playing for very intense uh, a very intense program in Ole Miss playing against more than intense teams like Florida, Georgia, Bama, things like that, you know? So he, I, I think he's going to be mentally there, mentally ready to just step in and make an impact. And I think he has the talent to do so too. Like I said, you look, you look back at that 2021 season, look at some of the great things that he did. And also that size just really speaks out, speaks, uh, speaks volumes to uh, the type of secondary that Utah can have not allowing much over the top. Because I think this year, part of the issue was, I mean, as great as RJ and Cole are, neither of them are like, extremely physically um physically imposing you know yep. you wouldn't look at them and be like that's a that's a that's an elite college safety you know so i think adding more physical players on the outside is going to help out this utah team a lot that had kind of struggled over the top giving up some chunk plays um as we saw in the rose bowl and and other games like that so at will miles battle start i think it's pretty 50 50 I, I don't think it's anything set in stone yet because um jt has been a part of the team for a few years now has kind of mastered the defense and sure there are some kinks to his games to his game that need to be kind of sorted out. And I think that's what it's going to, that's what, that's what I think miles battles uh, playing time is going to kind of depend on it. If, if JT looks really, really good and he takes a big jump and he's not really biting on double moves as much anymore, I think we can have a really strong cornerback too, but if there's still some minor kinks to his game, I think miles battle can step in and, uh, and make a really strong impact like he did in that 2021 season. Yeah, you mentioned the safeties kind of too. I think it was unfortunate how RJ kind of tailed off at the end of the year a little bit. And I think Cole's a guy who's shown a lot of really promising flashes. So I'm excited to see if he can really put it all together and have a dominant stretch. Felt like it started off really well and then once again kind of tailored off up and down. But man, I'm excited to see what he can do too. So the secondary definitely in good hands. And there's one more defensive addition we have to talk about in a moment as it relates to this Utah football team. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're number one. They're the number one sportsbook in America. FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel is all your favorite bets from the money line to point spread to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a seven-game parlay. This coming weekend, you know, we got the conference championships, AFC, NFC, NBA playoffs still going on, college basketball well in the swing of things. So make sure you guys head over to FanDuel. You can get the app 
app is also safe and secure, super easy to set up. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet. Get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment with FanDuel matter, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Dante, you talked about it earlier. There's not all transfers. We're used to it because that's how it worked last year. Our one-year seniors who come over, do their thing, then head off to the NFL. Some of these guys come over when they're younger, and then they can sit and develop and have time to grow. And I don't know the kind of impact he's going to make in year one, but I really feel like that's going to be the case with Logan Fano coming over from BYU, coming off his ACL injury, suffered in spring ball. By the time we get going in the, I'm not really sure what his availability is going to be for spring ball. I don't think that's something that's really been discussed, but by the time fall camp rolls around, I think he will get going again. He's a guy I'm really excited about. I mean, you're talking about a dude who had 20 sacks his senior year of high school out here at Timview high really athletic guy off the edge. I love the way he uses his hands too. I think he has good bend for the position. I mean, he's a four-star for a reason. He was the fourth ranked recruit in the state of Utah during the 2020 recruiting group and makes that recruit that class even stronger. When you think about getting Lander Barton and him now, basically he was never able to play at BYU, but between him and I know his, his brother coming over here too. I know they're excited to play together again. I'm fired up for Logan Fano and I, and it's not just for the short term. I think this is a guy who even in two, in the next two seasons too, even if he shows the flashes this year, I think long-term he's going to be home run for this Utah team. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more once again. And there were reports coming out from BYU that he was going to get some real playing time. Had it not been for that, for that injury, he was really yeah. impressing, impressing some people down there uh, during spring camp before obviously uh, he unfortunately went down, but I, I don't know about this year. Cause I mean, we, we saw Connor O'Toole pretty much dominate the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, Van Fillinger is going to come back, obviously. He was leading the team in sacks before uh, his unfortunate injury. So, I mean, there's a lot of depth in that room, and I think it would be kind of tough for him to see, like, immediate, consistent playing time. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw something like here or there, kind of like how we saw with Mickey uh, Sugaturaga over the course of this year, where he wasn't really a starter, but he wasn't really, like, a bench warmer. He was getting some go here and there, and it kind of just depended on how he played. Like, he would get 10 snaps, and if he was playing really well, he'd get some more. If he wasn't really doing his thing, then a little bit less. You know, I think the coaches are going to kind of keep an eye on that and just just keep that in mind and kind of just decipher how much he's going to play depending on how well he actually performs in in a game environment. So it's going to be another good pickup. I don't see a way this really fails. You know, like you said, the stats speak for themselves. His game speaks for himself. I mean, just a really all-around good defensive end. That's going to be a lot of fun to, fun to watch because – like we, like you already mentioned, his brother's also coming over too. Uh, not, not on the same side of the ball, but it's going to be really fun to watch those two, um, two play on the same team and and wear uh, wear those Utah colors. It is going to be a lot of fun. So it'll be interesting to see once again. Not as much the short term with Logan, although it'd be awesome if it was, but more yeah. so the long term. And Dante, you brought it up right at the start. The biggest need it felt like for this Utah football team was a reliable kicker, and that's what it feels like they've gotten in Cole Becker. Colorado transfer coming over. I know for me, looking at what Becker's done on the season, the thing that really excites excites me in 2022, he was five for six on kicks between 40 to 49 yards. I don't, I don't need my college kicker drilling 50 yarders. We saw how that tried to go for Ohio State in the college football semifinal game. So I feel you can hit from 40 to 49 and especially 30, which is something that's supposed to be automatic in college. But as Utah fans know, nothing really is when it comes to kicker. I think it's a really, really reliable presence for this Utah team to know that their field goal range is going to be a little bit cl- they are going to be in field goal range a little bit farther out this season if they do stall on some of those drives because they won't feel pressed to go for it on fourth down because they got a guy who's capable of hitting from those long distances. 
Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, even though you you mentioned how good he was between 40 and 49, and maybe you don't want him kicking those 50 yarders, but it definitely does help that over the last two years, he's three for five from 50 plus, was three at four actually in 2021 and only kicked one uh, this past season and missed it. But, you know, it happens three of five over the course of two years is extremely good. It shows he's just got a strong, strong boot and he could kick it out of the end zone, which is another uh, another big emphasis for this team because we didn't really get a lot of those over the last couple of seasons. And you think back to some of those some of those big games where they might have been lost. Um, on those kickoffs you know you think back to the Rose Bowl against Ohio State we score that game tying touchdown Don Kincaid ties it up and the ensuing kickoff there's like 40 seconds left and Ohio State's return man returns it for like 40 something yards and Ohio State has great field position not really even much of a challenge for them to get into field goal range from there and it just felt like dang the defense didn't even really get a fair shot now the defense is going to get a ton of fair shots and we saw how good they were able to be against elite offenses over the course of the season you think back to the Oregon game sure they lost but I mean that was an offense that was averaging over 500 yards of total offense per game. And their main focus was running the football. They were one of the best rushing offenses in the entire nation at the time. Might've been the best. Um, honestly, I'm not sure exactly where they ranked, but they were definitely high up there. Definitely top five. And Utah limited them to just like 55 rushing yards, which is extremely good, extremely sound. Obviously there were some other issues with that game on the offense, but you to see the defense play that well against an elite offense of that caliber with a veteran quarterback and Bo Nix, a really strong rushing attack, really strong offensive line was super encouraging. And now with the offense returning a bunch of studs, the defense returning a bunch of studs and special teams only getting better with the addition of Cole Becker, who has a strong leg and accurate leg. Um, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. You know, like growing up, I, I was never really accustomed to having to seeing Utah have poor special teams. You know, I grew up watching Tom Hackett, Andy Phillips, um, Matt Gay, Mitch Wisnowski, you know, guys who were just winning awards like left and right. It felt like, and then, then all of a sudden kind of just hit a, hit a pretty steep, a pretty steep slope. And it just wasn't the same, but I'm excited to see uh, Utah slowly inch back to where they were in terms of special teams, like they were in the early Pac-12 days. Yeah. Hopefully this season, it'll be a reliable kicker. Something, as you mentioned, we haven't really known in the last few years for Utah football. So some fun transfer additions for sure. That should pay big dividends. It'll be fun to see how they look come spring ball too. We're going to talk about some of the Utes in the NFL and the success they're having right now. Shout out Britton Covey and talk about a couple of the other guys in the seasons they had overall but first want to talk to you guys about our friends at uccu let uccu make your family's dream of owning a home come true by making it more affordable right now uccu is offering a low rate seven and ten year arms with rate inflation protection an adjustable rate mortgage or arm for short comes with an initial low rate for seven or 10 years after that it's adjusts to a rate that fluctuates based on the market the big advantage of an arm is that it comes with an initial rate that's lower than a conventional mortgage and with the lower rate an arm gives you more purchase power than a traditional mortgage in fact you get up to 10 percent more house with an adjustable rate mortgage for the same payment as conventional loan plus an adjustable rate mortgage can make qualifying for mortgage loans easier for first-time home buyers to learn more or to learn more get an or get an arm simply visit uccu.com and select the arm that works best for you or you can stop by any uccu branch uccu love where you bank all right dante coming back in let's talk some britain covey right britain covey is a guy everyone loves and i think it was so great to see him shine in the biggest stages last year not just against oregon and the halftime with one of the most memorable plays we've seen inside rice cycle stadium but of course then in the rose bowl the granddaddy of them all taking a kick to the house Look, in Britain, what he's meant to this program, he's been loyal, dedicated. It felt like he spent an eon here, basically. Um, but he's a guy that everyone really loves. And I know I'm really happy that he's getting an opportunity now to play in an NFC championship game. Yeah, it's wild. I was in seventh grade when it was his freshman year at Utah. And now yeah. <laughs> I'm a sophomore in college and it's his rookie year in the NFL. It's pretty, pretty wild to see the career that he's had. But, you know, he's had he had a really good game against the Titans back in week 13. He had like six, six returns for 105 yards, all punts. So he was really great in that game, unfortunately. 
fair caught all four of his attempts um, yes or on Saturday against against the Giants. But um, sometimes that's for the best, especially when you're in the NFL. You know, that's not an easy job whatsoever. Yes. You got to be a you got to be a pretty, pretty crazy person to want to return punts um, against some of the other most athletic people in the entire world. So yep. that's not the Brent Covey. He had some really great moments over the course of the season. It's pretty cool to see him just like step in um, to a team that like the Eagles, who have just been so dominant this year, you know, 14 and three in the regular season, clinch that first overall seed, just kick, kick the kick the giants butt basically on saturday yeah um, uh so they did they did really good um on saturday obviously being the giants by like 20 plus i believe it was so um really great to see him step in on a team like that and just just have a good year simply put and you know, like i said returning punts in the nfl is not the easiest job in the world and i think Brent's ha- handled it handled it very very well and you got to think back like it's it's pretty cool to see him even on the team nonetheless yeah. playing time you know he was an undrafted free agent he's 25 years old that's not the most appealing thing for NFL teams yet he was still able to work hard and make the Eagles not just in a regular NFL team like this is the best team in the NFL 14-3 first seed in the NFC and he's able to go in there and just get playing time right away really cool to see from uh, probably the biggest Utah legend um, that I that I can remember off the top of my head somebody that did it for a very long time at a super high level from the second he stepped on campus to the second he left campus was just dominating um, opposing Pac-12 teams as well as Ohio State and some other teams that he had some good success against um, in his Utah career. So really cool to see Brett do his thing, but also Mitch Wisnowski yeah. um, is going to be facing off against him. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Britain can, can get a good return off Mitch. That'll be, that'll be pretty interesting to see. You know, coming off Terrell Burgess getting a Super Bowl last season, at least one Ute is going to be playing in it between those two. Unfortunately, one Ute whose season came to an end, but absolutely dominated to your point of talking about all the success that we've seen Britton Covey have this season and what he was able to dominate at college. The guy who really made his mark in the NFL was Devin Lloyd. I mean, when you're looking at Lloyd's season overall, 159, 115 tackles, 59 of those being solo. He had three interceptions on the year, got numerous pressure at different points too, and just really looked like he belonged on the NFL stage. I think everyone was surprised to see him fall the way to 26. He seemed like a top 15 guy, and I think in a redraft he would definitely go higher because, man, he really helped Jacksonville turn it around this season, and hats off to him for a strong first year. Yeah, I was really hoping the Chargers would draft him uh, last yeah. year, but that didn't end up happening. I am going to the Jags a little bit later than I think we all thought, like you said, but definitely showed that he's worthy uh, of that pick. Despite being a little bit of an older prospect, I believe that was the main reason why he kind of fell at that point. Being, I think he was 23, 24 years yeah. old, so that's obviously not the most appealing thing, but still, I think that speaks a lot to his work ethic. You know, I bet he heard a lot of that, and that's kind of the reason why he fell, yet was still able to to stay positive and just just go in there and make it make an instant impact. You know, you look at like the I think it was the first two weeks of the season, first three weeks of the season, he already had like two pass breaks breakups and two picks and had like a 14 sack, I mean a 14 tackle game. So you know he was already dominating from early on. Struggled a little bit towards the middle of the season in coverage, especially I think he had a game against Kansas City earlier in the year that wasn't that great, but still was able to work his way back into the mix and just play at a super high level. I mean, that game against the Chargers that he had was his third best performance of the year according to PFF. So I mean being able to get up for these big games and just, just do his thing. You know, we saw him dominate at Utah for all these years, make some really memorable plays like the pick six against Oregon, obviously being the, being the one that I think we all remember most. He had that crazy pick six against Stanford, which I'm still not sure how he caught that pass from, um from a uh, Tanner McKee, I believe it was, but I mean, just a extremely great all around player. You know, he's really smart. Everyone at Utah would always speak about how much he was in the film room, how much he cares about getting better, bettering himself and being the best player that he could possibly be. And I think that, we saw a lot of that this year. You know, he made an impact in pretty much every way, shape, and form. And the stats that you read off, actually, the 115 tackles, that didn't account for the postseason. So he, oh, actually, had, he actually had more than that. So I think it was around like 130 or something like that, which is just incredible for a for a rookie. And obviously, he had a couple of picks too, a few pass breakups as well. And he also picked up a sack and was just getting pressure um, a, a good amount as well. So a really great all-around season. 
for Devin Lloyd. And that Jaguars team is going to be fun to watch in the years to come because they are still extremely young. You know, they had the first overall pick last year. They picked Trevor Lawrence a couple years ago. Obviously got Devin Lloyd now. So, I mean, they got a lot of really good young pieces to be um, looking forward to seeing how they progress. And that's going to be a team. I don't think that's the last time we'll see Devin Lloyd in the playoffs definitely. in a Jaguars jersey. I think he'll definitely be back and, and they'll be they'll be hungry for, for some more as they're a very young team. Absolutely. And uh, you were right too. definitely, definitely more tackles for him now in the postseason as well. So nice to have those numbers going up for him. And, you know, I, earlier I mentioned uh, Terrell Burgess getting the Super Bowl last year and I was, I was sitting here kind of thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, Matt Gay also won one. And yeah. oh yeah, it seems yeah, insane that Eric Weddle right. <laughs> won one last wow. year. That seems like a dream. Like uh, he, he came back and did, and did that too. I, not, yeah, I think awesome. he was their leading tackler in one of the games too. I think it was like the Buccaneers. He, might have been. Yeah, I think you're right. he, was like, he was their leading tackler in one of those games. Crazy. What a stud. <laughs> Oh, he's absolutely a beast. So it's amazing what he was able to accomplish. And it's always amazing whenever you, we get you on the show, Dante. So what kind of things do you have coming up with Ute Zone? Just some more Ute in the NFL. You know, I think I'm going to dive into uh, some more player like transfers, kind of Lavani Damuni, um, Miles Battle, maybe some like just focusing on them. And if I could find some film on them, that would be really nice. Um, unfortunately, that hasn't Easier to find worked. Bigfoot. What's that? easier to find Bigfoot than find yeah, college. Yeah, it days. might actually might actually be. But, you know, whatever I can get my hands on, I'm just going to be focusing on um, single players and just seeing how they could develop. Maybe something like I did last year, like three players were going to get more playing time. Maybe something like that. Just just predicting things that are going to happen for this Utah football team and how player seasons are going to go because um, that's what we did last year. And I thought I did a, did a fine job covering it. So looking forward to doing the same thing this year. Maybe some NFL draft um, profile, stuff like that. I saw Dalton Kincaid get mocked to the Chargers the other day at like 21st Every overall time. tight end one which was pretty awesome to see. That was Daniel Jeremiah's like first mock draft. So that was really encouraging. I think Dalton's a player that's only going to only going to see his draft stock, draft stock rise after like the NFL combine and stuff like that. Cause I do think he's a very underrated athlete and uh, everything that he does, he's just a really well-rounded player. So I'm, I'm excited to see how his draft stock changes him with Clark. So just a lot of, a lot of stuff right now going on. Not really sure exactly what I'm going to dive in on, just kind of taking it, taking it by day and seeing what I, uh, what I can come up with. Well, there's a long time till the season gets going again, so you got some time. So make sure you guys head over to Ute Zone to follow all Dante's great work. And I put a couple things out there too. Also, if you guys are in the market for lock for college basketball, we recommend you and look at the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It's our brand new podcast here at the Locked On Network that is everything you need in one place relating to college basketball. You can hear from the big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate Dante for joining us once again. That's going to do it for today's Locked On Utes, but we'll see you tomorrow.